Got time for a quick story. Every so often, a singer gets the gig. Or a musician gets to join the big band. And we've seen stories of that. It's it's a classic story of someone who plays the music of a of a given band suddenly gets the opportunity to join that band. That happened to Ronnie Platt several years ago, back in 2014, when he was asked to become the new lead singer of Kansas. And our longtime lead singer Steve Walsh retired, left the band, so they needed a new band, a, a new singer. Ronnie Platt, who had been playing in a lot of bands, had played music of Kansas, was asked to join the band. And listening to Kansas in the years since, they released an album in 2016. You may know, The Prelude Implicit. You go, wow, it sounds like Steve Walsh. He, But he sounds like himself. Ronnie, of course, sounds like himself. He sounds like Kansas, yet he sounds like the, the new energy in Kansas. Kansas has maintained that energy over the years. And four years on from The Prelude Implicit, they have another new album. It's called The Absence of Presence. Arrives on June 26th. We're taping this edition of Got Time for a Quick Story and this interview with Ronnie Platt of Kansas 11 days before the release of the album. So we got a chance to talk to Ronnie about this new album and the music of Kansas, get some insight into the band. And he's from Chicago, so he started off asking me about... The state where I'm from, just a little bit north, up in uh, Wisconsin. How are things now? I'm fr- I'm in Illinois, just outside of Chicago, mm-hmm. so so I know the terminology. How are <laughs> how are things beyond the cheddar curtain? Oh gosh, <laughs> <laughs> actually, quite well. It's June Dairy Month, so that's like a big thing up here. So like all things cheese and milk and whatnot. That's like uh, that. The one downside is, of course. Because of the pandemic, a lot of the the June dairy breakfasts were canceled. Would normally we'd go to farms around the area and have that. I mean, Eau Claire, yeah. Eau Claire is like a suburb. I mean, we're kind of an urban area, but there's plenty right around here in western Wisconsin. So, in lieu of that, we're just like downing milk and cheese all the time. I get the total stereotype this this month. <laughs> After this interview, just to show my love for my friends in Wisconsin, I'm going to shotgun a quart of buttermilk right after this interview. <laughs> Uh, that goes beyond, I think, anything even I would Yummy. Do. I, Yummy. Oh, my word. And I'm like a dairy fanatic. I'm not even sure if I would go that far. So, mad props to you for that. Oh, my Oh, my word. God. You're a singer and you drink dairy? Well, that's the thing. And, okay, I mean, I, I sing in choirs here in Eau Claire. And I know, like, drinking dairy is, like, the worst thing you can do before you go on stage for a concert. You know the same. Like... Don't coat your throat with that. That's like, which sucks for some of us. You're like, oh, I want to drink that. No, can't do it right now because you go up on stage, and all sorts of stuff is going to come out. Well, my belief is whatever works for you. And, you know, <laughs> I remember this is probably 30 years ago. This I can't even remember her name. This girl comes up to me and she was a singer, you know, in one of these very proper and she's like, oh, my God, you're drinking a Coke. Your voice is going to be gone in a year. Well, that was probably about 30 years ago now. So, <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, I, uh, you know, to each his own. 
Yeah, exactly. Well, first question for you, how do you keep your voice up? I mean, you've been singing for decades, and of course now you're yeah. leading Kansas so for the last six years. So how do you keep your voice going? Uh, you know, if it's one thing I've always taken a lot of pride in is I- I've had endurance uh, and clean living. Uh, I know all our Wisconsin breweries are not going to want to hear this, but uh, I- I've never been a drinker. Uh, ne- okay, let's let's really blow the rock and roll life story here, right? I've never done drugs. I've never been a drinker. I maybe have a glass of wine a few times a year, you know, and uh, I've always said the the biggest thing to regenerate the voice is sleep. So it's, it's just uh, a, a recipe for me, you know, but again, you know, and I've people that I've coached over the years and let me tell you, it's been very, very few. I say only, you know, your limitations, you know, and there, there's a point where you push your voice without hurting your voice. You want to push your voice enough to improve, you know, improve your projection, improve your range, but you don't want to go too far that you're going to damage yourself. And only, you know, that, and that's through trial and error from doing it all the time. And it's worked for me for the past 40 years, so can't complain. Voice sounds good on the tracks that I've heard from the album thus far. Let's start with Thank the... Thank you. It, yeah, it's, it sounds really good. The whole band sounds really good. So the genesis of this album, when did the first inklings of, okay, we're going to follow up the Prelude and Implicit, we're going to start putting tracks together, when did that begin? And was there a direction for the music on the Absence of Presence? Well, it, it just seemed to fall into play, uh, something that we planned on doing a- after the Prelude Implicit. Uh, it just came time to do another one, you know, especially since we've had uh, the addition of the maestro, Mr. Tom Brislin. Uh, <laughs> after I watched him play piano, I came home and burned mine, you know, <laughs> just, <laughs> oh my God, they, uh, the guy's incredible. So it just seemed to to you know uh, be the path we wanted to take and uh you, you know how we we claim no clairvoyancy with our title you know the the absence of presence really started as uh, a song title and uh gosh is it fitting for today or what you know just uh, i mean like i said we claim no clairvoyancy uh but it actually started uh I think Zach started submitting basic tracks probably a year and a half ago now. So uh, and then the difference between this album and TPI is we, we recorded uh, TPI in January when we were off and the absence of presence, we recorded this album when we were in the middle of touring, we wanted to take August off to just concentrate on the studio stuff, but uh, our shows have been just fantastic and drawing bigger and bigger crowds and our schedule kept on getting, you know, more and more crazy. And, and our, our agent Keith, I'm, you know, sure called Phil and said, Hey, you're going to want to take this one, you know, and, and we ended up doing uh, a number of shows in August. So it was a balancing act between, you know, playing out so much and, and recording so it was it was really a high intensity time 
and this was back in August. And I think we did some pre, I think we did some pre-production uh, June a year ago. Uh, so it, uh, it finally all came into play here. Being on the road to do that, and I know a lot of bands have been doing that more and more. You can do that more and more easily now, but that's been a thing throughout the decades of recording when you can in a studio here or there. So yeah. with recording, any recording sessions you've done with the bands you were in prior and then the the one album you you had prior to this in Kansas, did the, do you see that affecting the way the, the arrangements came together and how the songs came together at all or is it really just a matter of well it's a location but there's no difference in terms of terms of the artistry of the album uh that that's a good question uh i i think it's a matter of what you're feeling at that moment you, you know and any musician will tell you you know sometimes you you sit down with your guitar you sit down with your piano and that environment that day or you know maybe that segment of time influences you uh so when zach came up with these basic tracks you know we were just you know so busy and uh song like throwing mountains which is just so you know heavy and in your face uh probably wasn't an element of uh the time we were in it you know just so intense and came up but he was feeling an intense guitar lick you know so mm -hmm. that that really uh it, it, it came out nice zach, so I, I think it's a matter of environment okay zach you, you mentioned zach and and tom zach zach v tom brislin and, and the contributions they yeah. made and if you look at the and looking at the track listing i mean they're all over the writing credits I yeah. I know I'd, I'd read that you had you'd been involved with the, with the Prelude Implicit a little bit. How what were your contributions to this album? I, again, with them getting the big songwriting credit, but what did you bring to the table for this one in terms of writing, arranging, whatever, contributing to this album? Well, everyone comes up with uh, you know their basic tracks, and and Zach when he presents a uh, song to the band. Uh, there's, there's a basic foundation, but yet he really has a lot of the parts, uh, at, at least uh, conveying ideas, you know? Uh, so what we decide to do with that at that moment, uh, you know, everybody has their own input. Uh, you, you know, uh, Zach's not a violin player. He doesn't tell David Ragsdale what to play, but uh, you know, you, you get that song, you listen to the basic track, uh, maybe Zach will give a little direction or, or Tom also will give a little direction of, you know, what they're thinking about in that song. And then everybody adds their own element from there. And it's after a while, a song, you know, the momentum a song seems to take on its own identity, you know, uh, and then with the, with the songs on this album, they just got more and more intense and the overlapping parts and it, it, it really came out great. And that's, it's one of the things you have to discipline yourself to say, when is enough enough? Mm -hmm. uh, not to mention the band, enough's <laughs> enough, uh, <laughs> friends of mine. But, uh, you know, it's really because uh, with progressive music and in this band, you know, of course, Kansas, the history of just overlapping more and more parts and, you know, more sounds and, 
uh, you, you have to discipline yourself to, to say, okay, that sounds good. Let's leave that there. Because in the studio, when you start experimenting, things can really get intense. And then if it's a day when your juices are flowing, boy, you know, things can really be rolling. Mm -hmm. So, and then of course you're under the pressures of time too. You know, how, what, what can you do in this segment of time before, before we're heading back to the airport, you know? Right. You, the kind of fascinating thing with Kansas in terms of the lineup now is that you have essentially, at least from, from my perspective, you got three different groups of members in terms of era. The two originals, you've got two that came in in the 80s and 90s, so kind of this second era, second, second wave from their original time, I should say. And then the three of you that have come in this past decade, in the 2010s. Right. So is a kind of a double-faceted question. One, now that you've been in the band for six years, and some you've been with the whole time, some have come, obviously, in the past few years, what yeah. are the... What would you say is like the the quick summary contribution that each brings to the band as you now see it working with them? And can you delineate by that era that I said that of the originals, the second waivers, the more recent ones? You're obviously part of, the, of that third one that they bring artistically and performance wise to the band. Yeah, well, starting with Rich and Phil, who've been, you know, part of the band from day one. They really are the foundation, you know, uh, just re really the, the, the long time, what is it? 47 years now, wrap mm -hmm. your mind around that 47 years, they've been doing this. Uh, so, you know, they're the rock, they're the foundation and they bring that, uh, that, you know, we are Kansas influence into the rest of us. Now, Billy, <laughs> it kills me when, when Billy uh, is called the, one of the new guys because he's, <laughs> yeah. you know. What, 35 Billy, years? Yeah, th 35 years plus. He's the oldest new guy. I love, <laughs> I love that terminology. But, uh, it, you know, uh, he came along with uh, back into the band when Steve uh, rejoined the mm -hmm. band and, and Billy was in streets and, you know, uh, Billy was just such a, a, a instrumental part of coming into the band at that time because Billy brought along an angelic voice. Uh, Billy, I mean, bass playing alone, his bass playing is phenomenal. Uh, it, I've been rehearsing with the guy the last six years and he makes it look easy. Trust me, Billy makes it look easy, but uh, his singing his singing was such a integral part of the band and coming in at that time, you know, then uh, I believe it was the early nineties when David Ragsdale came along and uh, talk about a guy that'll mesmerize you with, with his playing. Uh, another guy I've been listening, you know, the last six years, just, he never puts down his violin. He's constantly, constantly tweaking his talents and and that was another segment you know i know the uh it, it was uh power and the spirit of things uh were the two albums where they didn't have a violin player uh but it was still kansas so when ragsdale joined the band it, it was another segment of the storyline of Kansas, mm -hmm. you know, and then rags to be in since the nineties, you know, and then 
fast forward all the way up to 2014 when uh, David Mannion and myself joined the band, it was a, a new influx of attitude, of enthusiasm, you know, of course, you know, I mean, both Dave Mannion and myself, holy crap, you know, we're, we're now in the band Kansas. Are you, are you kidding me? Pinch me, pinch me, club me over the head like a baby <laughs> seal and wake me up, you know? So <laughs> uh, pretty, pretty wild, you know, mm-hmm. then to, uh, you know, to, and I never expected when I joined the band, you know, talk about a band that has such a intense, incredible library of music to fall back on. You know, I thought I'd be singing all these songs that I've been singing and loving for years. I had no idea that we were going to do a new studio album. I had no idea that we that I would have such a big part in writing lyrics for that album. And then when we did TPI, that is when Zach joined the band during the recording of that album. He had, he had submitted so much original material that, you know, say, Hey, we need to make this guy uh, a part of the band. And uh, I, I can't say enough about that guy, Zach Risby, his guitar playing, he could play anything, you know, think, think about the albums we've done stuff from the, the spirit of things and from power and, you know, Steve Morse, who was in the band for those two albums, talk about an intense guitar player. And Zach is covering his parts when we play anything off those albums. I mean, that alone is just mind boggling. But for him to be such an incredible writer and then producer on top of it. Well, now that I think of it. God, I hate that guy. <laughs> Anyway, no, I'm, I kid, of, uh, of, I kid, of course. I mean, he's fantastic. And then, of course, yeah. you know, uh, Tom coming into the band. You know, we all we all say Tom has the golden resume, being Meatloaf's keyboard player, Debbie Harry's keyboard player, and then he toured with this band. What what do they call? Uh, what are they called? Uh, you might have heard of them. They might make a name for themselves if they stick it out a little longer. Yes. <laughs> You know, you're no you're no slouch if you're uh, if you're playing the parts that uh, you know Rick Wakeman right uh, played. Are are you kidding me? So you know to have this 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 combination that's in the band now, and to do this album where the Prelude Implicit was, you know, there was still a lot of uh, newness for the band at that time. But now, even though Tom has only been with the band a year and a half, it, it seemed like a, a good chemistry and everything gelled so quickly. And, you know, when you when you come up with a set list and you're doing a show, uh, sometimes it, it might take eight, 10, 12 shows before you, you know, you get into that feeling like it's a well-oiled machine. Mm-hmm. Not with this combination. I... I Maybe the first show, we had to work out a few things. But after that, from the second show on, it just seemed like a well-oiled machine. And and that's, uh, you can contribute that to just having what I arrogantly say is Kansas has the best musicians in the world, hands down. 
Tom said in one of the Facebook videos that, I think it was Tom, correct me if I'm wrong, that he had never been in a band that rehearsed before every concert, which that I immediately perked up at yeah. that. Again, being being a musician, I know that, I mean, typically, even in a, in a choir and just a, among here in a, in a city in Eau Claire, we always rehearse before every concert. You're never cold going in. And I thought, wow, that's something I'd never really thought of, that that's not commonplace. So what? describe what? how do you guys rehearse as opposed to just warming up individually, the rehearsal process, and why do you think that's better? I mean, outside uh, of the obvious, it, it warms you up. The, uh, well, the warm-up thing, uh, of course, is important, but... Uh, let me tell you about the work ethic of this band. This band never stops rehearsing. And I would love to put a compilation of pictures together of <laughs> some of these venues. You know, some of these venues we play are 80, 90, 100 year old theaters. They really weren't thinking about the performer back then and the comfort of the performer. And it, it, it's wild no matter where we're at, whether it's a, a, a beautiful place like the Eccles Center in, in uh, Salt Lake City, you know, these big gigantic theaters and, you know, everyone has their own giant, huge dressing room. Whereas uh, the flip side of the coin, and I would love to take pictures of this, sometimes like Phil, Rich and Billy are in like a dressing room that's probably four feet by 10 feet me and Ragsdale are in the hallway outside and, and Zach and Tom are in the next itty bitty closet size. I, I mean, literally tripping over each other so we can rehearse for an hour before the show. And it's every show, every show, no matter where we're at, the, the guys are our crew, which is worth their weight in plutonium. Let me tell you, uh, they always have some designated place for us where we're going to rehearse. And sometimes we're literally on top of each other. And I think that really would be comical for people to see. But it also, it also shows just how dedicated we are to constantly tweaking things and constantly keeping that machine well-oiled. Going track by track in this new album is give like maybe a, sentence or a phrase description of each one when the fans hear it how would you if you had to put a quick selling point on each song how would you do it absence of presence uh the the quintessential progressive kansas song throwing mountains uh a lot of uh people i see describing that as progressive metal uh but it, Looking at things as a whole, and another great attribute to Kansas is the diversity of the songs. You have songs like Memories Down the Line and Never that are very heartfelt ballad-type songs that, even though they're very basic, still have tendency of progressive in that Kansas sound, whereas... Circus of Illusion, uh, big harmonies, big guitars, big keyboards. Uh, it's 
it's it's really you know everyone interprets songs differently and it's like when when people ask me uh, what were you thinking about when you wrote the lyrics to this song my answer to that is what do you think and i always say you're right because how you interpret them how how you relate them to yourself that that's the whole objective of the song in itself so but uh i mean track by track each one is just an incredible. Uh, Tom does an amazing job singing the song The River Sang. And the end of that is just uh, recording that in the studio was a blast. We really did some, we really did some uh, unique things there. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I, I'm just so excited about this album. I was really excited about the Prelude Implicit but there's something about this album, although it's not a concept album, there's some kind of continuity between all the songs. And there, there seems to be a particular sound that, that weaves them all together. Uh, so uh, the, the other one, I, I know we replete, we released throwing mountains was our first release. Uh, uh, then uh memories down the line and then late, the latest jets overhead jets overhead uh, you know just a a, a rocker and, and i love david ragsdale's violin in that song mm-hmm. it's so it's such a an, an eclectic choice of notes to me it, it's like a an alex lifeson violin version of a solo you know <laughs> alex lifeson has really some weird solos in a lot of songs and it's like hmm, when i listen to that it's like Wow, Rag sounds like you know Alex Lifeson picked up a violin. Mm-hmm. You know, really, really cool. So, got about f- let let everyone draw their own conclusions on each song as long as they're all good. I know. <laughs> I was going to ask, what is like one part of a? Is there something in a particular song or the album overall, a particular thread, a particular sound, whatever that is, that you're most excited for fans to hear? I think you might have just answered the question in the in the last one, but is there anything else where you're like? pay attention to this, or this is really cool, like at the four-minute markup. Is there something like that? Well, well, on the studio side, at the, you know, when you're at home listening side, I stress to everyone, get yourself a good pair of earbuds, a really good pair of headphones, and just soak yourself into this album. That's the at-home listening to the record side. Live, I can't wait to play Throwing Mountains. Mm. Throwing Mountains is just high energy, in your face, very dynamic song, huge chorus that we're just, you know, I just can't wait to play that song live. People are going to love it. Um, last question, because we're just about out of the 30 minutes here. The You mentioned yes before. Of course, there's the there's Rush. You could you could you could not run through all the influences. I'm a huge Genesis fan. And I always hear Genesis influences. I mean, the 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 connections from Wind and Wuthering to uh, Point of No Return are stark for me. Anyway, I listen to some of the bass lines and I go, "My gosh, this is Eleventh Earl of Mar. What's going on here?" But it's it's there. It's very clear. Well, oh, go ahead. You just you just said two of my favorite albums of all time is A Trick of the Tail by Genesis and Wind and Wuthering by Genesis. Mm-hmm. Absolutely amazing. Uh, personally for me, I've always been such a huge prog rocker, rocker, excuse me. 
I missed the boat in the 80s of all the hair bands. Uh, you, you know, I didn't care for that stuff back then, but I have respect for it now. Uh, but I, I was such a prog rocker through that time. And that that's exactly what I was listening. I was listening to, of course, Kansas. I mean, uh, I attribute the development of my voice from trying to emulate Steve Walsh and Steve Perry and Lou Graham, you know, those, those massive classic rock singers. But I was listening to Kansas, yes, Genesis, Rush. Not only, you know, was I, you know, singing Rush, but I was playing bass and keyboards to Rush stuff mm -hmm. because I, I loved them so much. You know, God, so, uh, bands like Saga, mm -hmm. you know, just really progressive, progressive bands that uh, that that I seem to gravitate to. There's. There's a lot that musicians are going to love. There are a lot. There's a lot that even non-musicians are going to understand that they like. It's called the absence of presence. It comes out what a week from this upcoming Friday, so we're, what eleven days away. Twenty sixth. Twenty sixth. All right, it's coming really soon. Go download it. Go buy it. Do whatever you can to listen to this album. It's a. It, I'm already encouraged by what I'm hearing. You're loving it. I can tell right now. Your enthusiasm oh. is so strong for this. It, it, it really is. I, I, I mean, we're, we are just so proud of this album. We can't wait for everyone to hear it. And uh, uh, another album of Kansas putting their heart and soul into music. So, And eventually you guys will be can't back wait. out on it'll, your touring. will eventually resume. We'll look forward to that. Ronnie, thank you so much for being part of this band, bringing a good voice to the band and doing what you guys do. Keep doing it. Thank you so much and take care. Luke, thank you so much. Hello to all my friends there in Wisconsin, and we'll see you when we're back on the road. Ronnie Platt, lead singer of Kansas. That's going to be a good album as of the recording of this, of course. Like we said, it, the album is still to come out, but when you're listening to this, the album may already be out, and if you have not, you got to listen to the album. Put it that way. Listen to new music from Kansas. I always say anytime an artist releases new music, if they, if they're, it doesn't matter how far they are from when they had hits on the charts. Doesn't matter. If an artist is releasing new music, give it a listen. They're still producing. They're still being creative. Very definitely the case with Kansas. The absence of presence, a must listen. You can learn more about the band at their website, kansasband.com. Kansasband.com. They're on social media as well. Do a lot of postings on there. You'll learn more about the band. They're definitely a band you want to continue to follow going down the road. This has been the latest edition of the Got Time for a Quick Story podcast. Thanks as always to my employer, Greatest Hits 98.1 Radio in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, for providing the facilities uh, for these interviews. And you can listen to a lot of these interviews at greatesthits981.com. Go to the interviews page. You'll see a lot of these same interviews and other interviews that Greatest Hits 98.1 has done. It's a recent interview that uh, my co-worker, my friend John Murphy is a fellow DJ on the station, did with Don McLean. You'll find at greatesthits981.com. Click on interviews. You can also subscribe to the Got Time for a Quick Story podcast. You can find it at the usual locations uh, via Apple, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, and also um, rate this, preferably higher, that will spread the word about, uh, around a little bit more. Got time for a quick story? I'm Luke Anthony.